Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I come before you today with this message of dire importance. Lately, each movie we make costs about as much as a 10-year-old used car would cost. We save up for a few years and then spend it all on our newest movie. Of course, these movies earn us almost nothing, but it's so much fun. I'd rather have a bunch of movies than a bunch of used cars. Can I come over and watch Freaky Farley with you tonight? The film you're about to see contains scenes of shocking river beast action, which are definitely not for the timid. Welcome back to Don't Let the Motown Cast Get You, a podcast dedicated to the films of Charles Roxburgh and Matt Farley. I'm here with my friends Calvin, Matt and Stephen as always, and today we're getting obtuse with a film called Obtuse Todd. Todd Harding pines for his co-worker Gwen, but can't get up the nerve to share his true feelings with her. A teen girl starts calling Todd, which incenses her father, Chuck Wheeler, when he finds out. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I like chocolate ice cream. But I'll take vanilla any time. What did we think about Obtuse Todd? Um, I'll, I'll jump in first. Um, I'll give, I'll presage my overview, which is, I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it a lot, but I love it when it is in one particular strand of the film, which is when it is just McGee and Farley okay. like yeah. writing music and being I ridiculous. Did. There are points where it feels like it's like um, pre-working meta-techmaniac of being like, let's take some time off and just make music. Those bits feel really, really good. Yeah. And are very, very funny and very, very creative. And I quite like one of the twists in a way because it's very, very silly. When it leads to being silly, I think it's fantastic. On the other hand, half of the film is trying to be a movie Mm. and it's trying to be a movie to the extent that I can't even like do my usual bit like, it's like this it's just like every movie kind of ever it's like so homogeneously like this is like movies and when it's being like movies it's fine mm. I think that's kind of my notes as well like when I was really keyed into the movie it is that best songwriting duo since Lennon McCartney they are at the keyboard they're doing two-part harmonies it's like Peter Jackson's <laughs> The Beatles so Get funny. Back so I would 100% watch five hours on Disney Plus <laughs> of these two just writing songs and recording and talking through them but other than that the movie just sort of happened and I was mm. watching it and I just didn't feel that connection I usually get with um, a lot of these motor movies yeah, I'll, whenever it jumps away from the songwriting subplot, I just like I remember. Oh yeah, there's there's more to this. He has a daughter. He has a oh, there's a plot. Harley has a coworker. Yeah, there's there's more here than <laughs> Franks and Beans. <laughs> and the best of the film maybe is like it's an encapsulation of like when it works and doesn't. If we end on quite like a, a weirdly like sincere moment that is kind of going through the fields in a way that does not work at all. You're like, all right, you just. You set up an English dynamic in like two minutes and now like, yeah. And then hard cut to stupid novelty song about Franks and Beans. I'm like, yeah. Which is love this of, movie. That is kind of the Motown method is to mm. interpret these, these moments of sincerity with a poop song or, you know, a Farley Spotify classic. Because for every bit that I wasn't, I, mean, I, I never disliked it, but for every bit that I wasn't as much of a fan of it, then that found a way to be really interesting though i thought the coma thing initially was just real stupid mm. um uh and not the good kind it wasn't silly it was stupid it was like okay but i did think it was funny that it just jumped 4.5 years in the future that that amused me um and but then it, it got into i'll talk a bit a bit later about the um the JRP, jrpg protagonist mode of being like everyone loves me i am i am the main character and everyone must love me um we'll get to that but when it used that device as a way of making Kevin McGee's character's song was really, really famous. It's like, yes, you earned this. Mm. And when it used that device <laughs> to introduce Matt Farley walking again, I was like, yes, you've earned that as well. We love walking. And Motown's suddenly famous. novelty songs are famous. I think uh, for me, the, the title really says it all, Obtuse Todd. Um, I think that, that uh, no, I, I have no idea what that title means. Um, this was them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a pun that I'm not picking up on. Like there, there's some joke in the title. That? Is that the problem? What is it too obtuse for you? Is that the issue? It is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> as I say, perfectly titled. Um, I think mm, it's an important marker in their career. It's their last uh, mini digital video video movie. So, uh, uh, last thing they shot on one of those digital cameras before a, 
a several year break. Like it could have just ended here just as easily as it continued. But uh, they took a few mm-hmm. years. Uh, Charles went to LA. Uh, it could have just ended here, the whole Motrin thing. There would be no podcast, but uh, very <laughs> grateful for what's about to come. Uh, obviously, love was some of Freaky that. Farley not the next year? I thought that was um, 2007. It's confusing because, uh, well, in the in their uh, their book with their our friends Justin and Will, they they say that this was actually shot in uh, 2004. Um, so oh. it's it's wrong on MDiv uh, the the years given, um, which is confusing because if this is a 2004. Uh, yeah, I don't know if we've got an order, but uh, after their druids, they wanted to do something more serious. They're like, film festivals love movies about people dealing drugs. So uh, it's about like uh, him dealing candy. Oh, <laughs> the dealing drug stuff is very, very funny. In, like, it is. A, it's good. A very like barley-ish way if he just gets caught into just like selling like stick of candy. I didn't really know what it was. I don't, it's not like an Americanism yeah, I, I, thing. I was not sure what he was selling until he described it. And then I was even less sure what he was selling. I, I don't know either. So... Yeah, I don't know if I'd be able to name any sticker candies, but I think I... I what is a sticker candy? It's What's just sticker candy? candy that's on paper. Like, it's not... Like LSD? Like acid? The... <laughs> yeah, it, it looks like acid. Yeah, it's <laughs> meant to be like an acid tab, right? But it's... Yeah. yeah. They're just like little yellow stickers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not a thing, okay. I don't think. Um, but uh, okay. it looks um, like he's in like a craft store or something. I don't know what these uh, candies are. Is it a grocery? What What's going on? Well, those those interactions with his customers did make me feel uh, did make me think of the paperboy, you know, and yes, the earliest the earliest of the Moton uh, movies where it's just but it's Farley in a completely flipped role. In paperboy, he knows what he's selling. He's he's proud of his product, and in this, yeah, he's yeah, just yeah. caught in the middle of it, and he doesn't really know why these people are coming up and what he's doing. So that's an interesting dynamic there. I like how mm-hmm. they come up to the door, just say stops, and, you know, like that's <laughs> doesn't mean anything either. Uh, and he just rolls with it as well. I mean, like, I mean, there are bits in the movie. I mean, it's not the most amazingly plotted movie, but like, he was. But I, I, I do like that. It's just like he just rolls with this thing. So like, that was a revenge got on him, right? Like, the the person that was ringing him put his name on some list to harass him. Was that what was being implied? Yeah. So. Yes. Yes. And I love that he just just ran with it, and that just became his main source of income. He was just like, okay, yeah, ruin my life. Okay, well now I am an entrepreneur. <laughs> Well, he's just like, yeah, he can scam the uh, drug addicts with normal candy, and he saves their lives by having them not do drugs. Right. <laughs> Which actually Public reminds service. me of one of my favorite lines. I wrote, I wrote quite a few lines, but this one is one from Kevin McGee, um, who, Chuck, I mean, after please, he gave his, crap, uh, his, his... That's Mr. Chuck Wheeler to you. <laughs> we can't skip over the fact that his name is Chuck Wheeler, a very yeah, funny yeah. name. They're actually character names in this one. They're not just mm-hmm. uh, the actors' mm-hmm. names anymore. Yeah, which, you know, you know, it's, it's, it's a shame for me personally. But after he gives his legendary <laughs> crap monologue, like absolutely legendary, like Tarantino could never, it's like, it's, you know, like, it's, it's, it's the watch scene in Pulp Fiction times 12 of he just gives this wonderful speech about what crap is and then kinds of crap and how that's still crap and that crap is Matt Farley, which is wonderful. And then he just says, I just happen to be an entrepreneur, a lyricist and a singer. And I like what you've done here. And it's just all the wonderful pauses and this growing list of just things. And, only, and then just, then it just, oh. In a way that only Kevin McGee could do and pull off. He's astonishing. He is so astonishing. I, and someone needs to give him a Lifetime Achievement Award. Someone needs to give Kevin McGee a Lifetime Achievement Award, one of our greatest living actors. I wonder if I'm fondest on it because I, I feel pretty high in it in a way that it leads pretty clearly to a, one of the greatest movies of all time, Local Legends. Mm. Um, and it's quite a setup for that. It does feel like a precursor to uh, local legends in a nice way, but I, yeah, I'm I'm not like uh, I'm just kind of neutral on it. Okay. Um, I think it's good. I, 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 I like it's good, it, but I, I can't help but you know compare to the other Motown works, which feel a bit I don't know stronger with the, the Druid. Some of the Druid movies, I felt knew what they were doing <laughs> and uh, felt like interesting and funny in a way. And this one, I was like. Again, maybe if we hadn't seen Local Legends and mm. uh, the songwriting aspect of this didn't just remind me of future films to come, maybe I'd get yeah. to it more. But uh, yeah, I'm kind of just fine on it. I don't really feel yeah, strongly but, either like, way. That's not the way they want you to see it, though. Like, the, the, They don't want it to be the first or second modern movie you see. They want it no. to be yeah. way down there. That's why it's, it's hidden on the cut. Blu-ray. You have to like press the so right button so it highlights a poster, and you click that, and then an intro starts playing. It's all very wow. mysterious and locked it's, away. 
It's not like the Motoring guys hadn't even seen it for 10 years until it went on that Blu-ray. Like it was pretty oh, wow. buried from, okay. from all of them. Um, there was uh, this, I, lo- I love it for pretty much one simple reason. That's their attempt to be serious and make yeah. a festival movie and they can't fucking do it. I mean, it's like, <laughs> they're, they're so hilariously not serious. It's yeah, great. Yeah. I, I agree with you that. I mean, because like, even when I don't think it is great, I, I, I love the idea of it because it's just like so, so accidentally goofy. Of it's clearly them being like movie, movie, serious movie, oh, and yeah. they're just like it's like me. I remind myself like I'm like I'm only serious for like two minutes, and then I'm just suddenly Break. all of that is yeah. gone, and it's just it is so trying to be sincere, it's trying real hard, and it's like I think um Justin on his letterbox review of it like referred to it as like the closest they've got to an erotic thriller, apart from mm. there's no eroticism and not really any thrills in it. It's like yeah, yeah, it is that. <laughs> it is an erotic thriller with, with no eroticism and no thrills. Um, kind of like deep kind of, water like, then. I mean, yeah, but better than that movie. <laughs> it is better than that. See, so the weird the, cuts to the fish could be the cuts to the um, the snails in deep water, so, you know. That's a film I've not seen yet, and I am confused. It's got a fast bike. It's got the world's fastest bike. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't think a bike could win a chase against a car, but it could. And, uh, Patricia Highsmith, is that the author's name of those books? Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, she uh, apparently collected snails, by the way. Uh, she had uh, 200 of them, and she brought them out as dinner tricks. Um, not yeah, to eat them. Film was Race them? Um, yeah, just yeah. to, you know, show them off. Be eclectic. Uh, but, but for her, train in snails? that book, they represented things. Um, can, can you train, train snails? Can you train snails? Like, what, what kind of tricks were they pulling off at dinner? Uh, I, you know, just like... <laughs> you, could, you could train them, the French wouldn't eat them. Yeah. Oh my! Oh wait, no, no. The French, no, the French eat horses. You can train a horse. Hold you on. Okay. Can train, definitely can train a horse. The best place to train your snail in order to help them improve stamina and speed is on a damp surface. <laughs> research research <laughs> suggests that French windows are an ideal training ground for your snail. It's important that your oh. snail consumes plenty of protein throughout its training. And that is from snailed.co.uk, a real website that exists. Ezra so signed our first uh, snail today. Oh my god, there is a, there is a five-week training plan. I want to lodge a specific gripe with the usage of the phrase research suggests, which I hate so much. Um, in my hypothetical career, um, they talk a lot about research all the time, and it's, it's mostly absolutely nonsense. And I was in a, hypothetically, yeah, yeah, I was hypothetically in a meeting recently where someone talked about how research was done into research, and research found that research was useful. Well, of course, research thought research was useful. <laughs> I'm not surprised that research likes research. You know, do research and say, you know, it doesn't work. Research. Like, how dare you say that to me? Brilliant. God damn it. I've just talked to Um I have a question I'm going to ask to Matt Farley, but he's not here, so I'm going to ask Matt instead. Um, <laughs> they're actually, I'm going to put it out into the ether. Okay. So we, we, at the beginning, we have a, um, a plot point that kind of drops, really, like a character point that kind of drops, which is that um, Matt's character, Todd, um, is a movie buff and loves movies. Yeah. Um, Life is beautiful. I want... That's what I want to know. I want to know if Matt Farley does like that movie because that movie sucks. So I, knew I want to know. I know you don't like <laughs> I was, that movie, and I, I knew you were going to bring this up. Well, I need, I need to know. The only thing they mention in the book is uh, uh, Kafka's The Trial and um, Punch Drunk Club are the two references that they had. Um, so I don't know. That could also be oh, a reference to that. But Punch Drunk Club seems like a cooler mm. reference for me than Life is Beautiful. I don't know. I- it's like the one quote it seems I wrote to be down. there just to tell the Benini story of the like the Oscars thing. Then it seems to be there because it was the the foreign film at the time. Yeah. So I'm hoping that's why it's there, um, not because it's, good. it's best. The one quote I wrote down is, "You're one of those dudes who watches artsy movies with subtitles," <laughs> <laughs> which is followed up with, "I bet you've never even been to the mall." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> which is a ridiculous thing. What a to statement. Say. And the, she tries to get him to identify a movie that's based on a book, and oh, yeah. uh, she calls it a suspense thriller, and that's the only clue, and uh, he doesn't get it. <laughs> it's not enough clues to go by. Oh, when it cuts into what I call babbling Farley mode, I love it so much, when it's mm-hmm. just, just Farley just chatting and talking nonsense, when Farley literally just says, I've got a certain air of mystery to me. That's absolutely wonderful. I just want more just Farley. I mean, the, the scenes in the car are just like overexposed before we can't really see anything. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah. What, they're, what they're talking about is very funny every time. And I actually really like the Gwen and Todd relationship. And I feel that would have made a, a sweeter movie if it was just like those two learning to learn that they liked each other 
over the course and the creepy I'm phoning a child stuff that then turns mm. into a Homer scene but like in the logic of that like it, a, the age stuff is wrapped up by a huge time gap being caused by a coma but then he hasn't progressed in that point because he's lost time so therefore it's still like a little bit of creepy child person but that's there to be I don't know like twisty mctwist at the end which I'm presuming everyone predicted the twist from the moment I mean yeah, also I, I, I've the seen same movies voice. I've seen movies before. Yeah. <laughs> her, her name is nurse lean right <laughs> like yeah the color is Lena yeah I don't think it's yeah terrible. yeah it's this is a, actually a lot like the Angry Birds movie 2, in that oh. it goes out of its way <laughs> to <laughs> establish that a character is above 18 and is thus a viable romantic interest. What? That's Just like what it happens yeah. in Angry Birds 2? Yeah, oh, the, the yeah. red bird meets somebody's sister, and they have to make sure that everybody knows that person's sister is over 18. No, not bird consent. Oh, Matt, Matt, is it not more like Last House on the Left, where they have that party <laughs> at the beginning? It's like, look, you're 17. Look at this 17-year-old. They're 17, right? They're 17. To make the movie much creepier. Oh, my God. Maybe that's what Angry Birds is going for, creepier. compare uh, Last <laughs> yeah, House Angry on the Left to Angry Birds Actually, what? what? Matt, you've seen both. I've not seen Angry Birds 2 and Last House on the Left, and I know that you have. Um, mm -hmm. Which would you say is the kind of like much more shocking, transgressive, <laughs> and upsetting book? Uh, well, it depends on if the scene where the the eagle takes a 60-second piss is in the first Angry Birds or the second <laughs> one, and I just can't, I can't remember. That could also be in Last House on the Left, but I would not buy it. <laughs> Did you did you like rewind it and time it because you're like impressed? Like I, I have to see. I, I'm totally making up the figure. It might it might just okay. be twenty it, it seconds, be but it is a long time. Yeah. It is a long time. <laughs> I, I mean, sixty minutes. seconds is impressive, but I don't know like what eagle functions are like. <laughs> My last wow. um, last has left an Angry Birds question is: Do you think the very 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 famous tagline of um, what's the left? It's only a movie. It's only a movie. It's only a movie. Would be better equipped to the Angry Birds franchise. Uh, yeah, the Angry Birds movies are scary. It's, like, oh. I, actually, the first one is sort of fascist propaganda. Like, not, not even lying. It's, it's very much about the fear of the other and how we should not trust these pigs. Pigs, coming into yeah. Land. Yeah. I just wanted to check Angry Birds, say, Eagles. Uh, the, scene, the scene on YouTube, the clip on YouTube of the Angry Birds movie Dash P Lake scene is three and a half minutes long. Scrubbing through the thumbnail, it, man. Would you I, say it's effectively like reverse Porcaroso then? <laughs> it's good. No. To be, it's. I'd rather be a fascist instead of a pig. <laughs> yeah, at one point someone just turns right to the camera. Oh god! At least Babe Two exists out in the world to try and get people back on the pig side. Mm. <laughs> Thanks, the pig. Thank the pig. Um, I am endeared by it all. Uh, uh, yeah, Kevin McGee. What, the fascist uh, propaganda? You're endeared by all the fascist propaganda? Of course. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah Kevin McGee singing is, uh, is a bright <laughs> spot in my life. Um, it and it's something I didn't know I needed. Uh, yes, exactly. Two, two part vocal harmonies. Like Lennon McCartney, they're still with us. They're still going strong. Oh, yeah. I, Next time at uh, the Motown Christmas special in 2030, maybe we'll get, um, you know, some Kevin McGee performances. That would be lovely. It's really beautiful it's that he decides so songs about food and, and that's like his actual life path. But that's the most biographical part is that uh, uh, songs for food are good business. Yeah, and then he discovers a lot of walking again. So again, that volley <laughs> yes. again, just playing really from the mode. Well, and honestly, that. it shows that it's just harder to shoot in a car. So uh, you better walk mm -hmm. everywhere. Um, we also got yeah, the yeah. briefest of basketball scenes in this one. So yeah. we're still at 100% on those. <laughs> I, I think that's right. Yeah. <laughs> just like there's just the one shot doing it for his like routine at the beginning and then one right after he gets out of the coma, right? And like no, no long scene like in the other ones, but it's there. It's an important important part yeah. of all modern media films. As a coma survivor, it's one of the only movies that doesn't bother me. So, yeah. um, it's the only movie about a coma that doesn't trigger me or make me uh, upset physically, so uh, that's good. There you go, put that on the poster, on the box. <laughs>
the only movie that doesn't trigger or upset me is yeah. this one and then comparable to angry birds the movie too uh, no it's the angry birds movie too that's that's the, the angry birds yeah. movie so it's not angry birds the game the no movie. no no angry birds the mobile <laughs> game the movie the game the movie too did they do a street fighter the movie the game thing where they then made an angry birds game based on the angry birds movie Afterwards, you're an Angry Birds expert, Matt. So please, can you answer that? Uh, I don't know about the. I don't know the gaming history. Uh, we need to hit up the Daydream cast, I guess. For, yeah. For yeah. Okay. <laughs> I just want to know the chronology because you know Street Fighter can be a game and then a movie, then a game again. But I want Angry Birds to be the same. It's only the video game, the movie, the game. Um, <laughs> better tagline. Why did you watch the Angry Birds movies? Because I went yeah. on an Angry Birds ride in an indoor amusement park, which was terrible. <laughs> and then my Where? friends decided. Uh, <laughs> so when you're like, back I, up a little bit. It was terrible I because I didn't have the background. I, I didn't have context. the cannon beneath me. Maybe I couldn't appreciate the ride, for I had not seen the source material. So there's there's an indoor amusement park at, uh, somewhere in Vegas that I went to, and the, in in there we. <laughs> Uh, just a bunch of like small good there, there's like some roller coasters and stuff but there's also a 4D <laughs> scoob ride and the angry birds ride and an ice age ride so we went on the angry birds one and they they put you in like a movie theater and they just shake you around in the seat Pumped it like, yeah but the the shaking doesn't actually reflect the camera work on screen it's like <laughs> It, 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 it was a horrible experience. It it's totally more of a just, device, yeah. It's to remind you of your like, of the fictive nature of the ride. It's just more of a thoughtful thing. So I feel like we find out new tidbits. We find new tidbits about Matt out every episode, and <laughs> I'm really living for that in our podcast. <laughs> Matt's so, just living his best life out there on the Angry Birds ride in Vegas. <laughs> say Charlie and Farley announced Motown World in 2030. What movie-based oh, ride oh, would you most want to go on? Because walking through the tunnels, yeah, yeah, yeah. well, yeah, you, you have to get in there via a pedestrian subway. Yeah, yeah, that's how you get in. It's the Druid ride. There's no question. The Druid ride. Yeah. What happens on the Druid ride? What's what kind of ride is it? All three it's movies combined. Yeah, universe. Uh, for oh, so, universe. so it's one of those movie theater rides. They're just Druids. Druids everywhere. It's incredible. <laughs> What about the, uh, the local legends ride, which is just one of those really, really small trains that goes around the uh, basement, that <laughs> and it's a, a seven second long ride, and it's fantastic. And the Manch Vegas Casino is there as well, of course. And the River Beast VR experience. Don't let it get you, by the way. It's part of no, the log flume, is the River Beast. The yes. River Beast log flume. Yeah. Um, which, there you go. It's, it's like Pirates of the Caribbean, the ride, but River Beast. <laughs> I would go personally. There could be like a sandbox somewhere, and you give the kids metal mm. detectors, and they get to be metal detector oh, maniacs. And then and they you find can fill the sandbox with kitty litter, and it's a kitty litter kitty sandbox, litter. and we're like, yeah. we're just ticking off so many things. They go play in the kitty litter, and whoever detects the river beast loses and explodes. <laughs> oh god, there's got to be a, like a slingshots. Um, shooting gallery. That, that would be that. Where you can be oh, slingshot yeah, cops. Slingshot cops. I, I'm looking forward to that one. I, I don't know anything yeah. other than it's called Slingshot Cops, which is a great title for a movie. I mean, that's most of the movie. <laughs> I mean, the Druid Gladiator Clone uh, Coliseum. That'd Ooh. be that'd sell tickets like nobody's business. That would be you know a real absolutely. Draw. There's a, a there's. Do we even discuss the final shot of the movie, which is that uh, their best shot in my opinion um, of. Uh, Kevin Mickey's head floating inside the car. That PNG just floating on the final cut browser. Not just one. There are, what, four? Four different uh, images oh, yeah. that we cycle through? We're definitely using that. Isn't, the that, head isn't that when, they, is when, they, that's when they're driving towards to find Tim as he's dying, right? Yeah, dying of consumption. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's just when they have to have the characters age, it's just him sitting with a blanket being like, I am old now. I don't have my youth like you. You're not even 30. I have consumption. <laughs> As he, it's beautiful. Just, actually, a dance that I like that the film did, because I think these movies, why Kevin McGee is brilliant, again, the Kevin McGee minute, um, is partly because of Farley and Roxburgh and everyone involved's just pure understanding of what makes him so good and compelling. Mm. Um, and this film is this lovely dance of knowing that he can do creepy very, very well, 
and pushing towards it and then pulling back every time. It keeps setting him up as a villainous figure and then making him endearing every time. Mm. So you think he's done this like horrible, just like Pottersville kind of like just horrendous move. I've taken everything from you. And it's like, no, I pay all your medical bills. I'm paying for your apartment. I've like, got a nurse for you. A nurse is staying on there. I'm actually going to leave you all the money behind. Like, oh man, this guy's just lovely. What a lovely, lovely man. It's subversive. You've already seen him turn as the druid overlord. So you don't want to see, mm. you don't want to see another Kevin McGee plot twist where he's the bad guy come on yeah he's so good at speeches it's really playing into what a given he's uh great in life at everything but uh especially these things yeah watch this space kevin mcgee watch this space. kevin mcgee getting his soon kevin uh, mcgee getting his soon Ke- kevin mcgee please come on the podcast please please come on the podcast please, please. we'll get the uh the spoiled chefs on and they can talk us through songs about food and songs about holidays and other things and we'll I'd do love to uh, hear it. an album retrospective on the uh the 20th anniversary coming up uh next year for song is that the food. only modern uh artist alias with uh, mcgee on it i think so hmm. um Looking through the extensive wiki, wiki page, um, <laughs> it would seem so. And the artwork is just fantastic. It wouldn't be a Motown-themed podcast if we didn't discuss a self-proclaimed Matt Farley classic. Uh, I assume, is it a Charlie cl- classic as well, do you know? Or is this more of a Farley joint? It seems like a shock temper, uh, what do you yeah. call it, Shocktober? Shock marathons. Shock, shock marathons, that's the one. Yes. Yeah, uh, this is... A cut and paste job for the first 40 minutes or so before we get some rather bizarre and often thrilling slasher action. We're talking, obviously, it's the time recording, it's the end of March, so why not talk about a Christmas film? <laughs> Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. Stephen, as the only person here who hadn't seen Silent Night, Deadly Night 1, what did you make of this yeah, little, little I was So I thankfully for you and I, I was too busy because I was just like, no, I'm not watching part two about watching part one, which I know everyone was like, no, don't. But I know all of us here are the same, that even though we know it's a bad idea, it's but there's, no way, there's no way that, that your maps of the world would just like start with two. They just wouldn't. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm weaker than that, apparently. Um, and also because, you know, I'm just trying to have to watch it. And I was annoyed. I was being like, oh, God damn it. I have not seen part one. Mm. Um, Calvin lived a different life. Of he was told to not watch part one. Matt explicitly told me not to watch it and that it wasn't a good idea. And I, I did against his advice. And I thought it was like, oh, well, that's fine. And then I got to the second movie and I was like, I've made the worst life decision. <laughs> um, yeah, because I think, like the, okay, the, the obvious issue is the first 40 minutes of this film are just the previous film. So I'm led to believe. Yeah. Um, but I can say, having not seen that previous film, my issue is the first 40 minutes of this film are completely answering, not that interesting, and nowhere near as good as the rest of the movie. Yeah. And the rest of the movie doesn't actually necessitate this previous thing. And if anything, the context lessens it because the film is more entertaining to me when it's just like just silly stuff happening for no real reason. So having any kind of background is antithetical to the joy. Um, <laughs> But that recycled footage is why the movie exists. The The mission statement is, here, take some footage from Silent Night, Deadly Night, film an interview, wrap around scene, and we'll sell it again. And then they filmed the whole second half of the movie more than they needed to. Like, a, yeah. It was originally going to be much less than it ended up. I mean, I am a known defender of the found footage. Not found footage, no, other, no. occasionally that. Of the um, of the previous footage, just like random montage movie, I know that I am perhaps the biggest defender of certain camera movies, um, which are just previous camera movies again, because yeah, yeah. <laughs> I find it really really funny. We've not even got to the worst one of those, Calvin, which I think I'm the biggest. Fan. <laughs> I'm not the biggest fan of because someone in, in my review of it, I quote someone that's given it like five stars because <laughs> they describe it as like a greatest hits album. <laughs> like, well, you're not you're, you're not wrong. This is a joke for just Jack. It's that wonderful Alan Partridge bit when he's asked what his favorite Beatles album is. He's like, I'd say uh, the best of the Beatles. It's got all the best tracks. You're like, yeah. It was pretty. So, best of Gamera. It was pretty in vogue at some point, like the Friday 13th, where we're doing that kind of thing. You know, a lot of Mm. uh, horror movies were uh, doing clip shows of the previous. Definitely a Puppet Master one that we've sat Howling Seven, New Moon. Nineteen yeah. sitcoms clip shows as well have been like there you go. Uh, yeah. This is just we don't we're just padding out the runtime. The, uh, the yeah. Simpsons, they've all done it, you know. Yeah, 
We'll do it at some point. I think our next episode, I'll just splice together conversations we've had already. That, yeah, actually, all of this was recorded. We just sat down and just like talked for 10 hours and Jack is just making podcasts out of it, which got, is actually really quite impressive. But even this to, sentence uh, makes sense. To list every word in the English language, <laughs> painstakingly putting them in order. And that's why it takes me so long to get these episodes edited. Yeah, but this, this, the order you've picked is a suspect at best. But yeah, Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2. I'm usually the of the clip show. Um, I still need to get Matt to watch Boogeyman and Boogeyman 2, um, because I think Matt will appreciate Boogeyman and Boogeyman 2. Boogeyman 1 has a great someone getting killed by an exhaust of the car um, thing, that bit rules. Um, and it has like mirrors being evil, and then it has the revelation that what is a lake but a giant mirror? And you're like, yes! <laughs> yes, lakes are giant mirrors like if you think movie. about it. Yeah, you've um, made that recommendation yeah. many times. They're in my watch uh -huh. list and they will be watched. <laughs> what? They're so bad. <laughs> and then Boogeyman Part 2 is not a film at all it begins much like this if someone just describes the previous movie and just shows you it and then the rest of the film is about the director trying to pitch making that into a film and no one wanting Ooh, to watch it meta text and you're like or, yeah <laughs> yeah so it's the not, souvenir it's part two of boogeyman movies <laughs> yeah no it is it, it really really is and i'm sure i'm getting it slightly wrong but it's very much the idea of being like let's make another one of these and i was like well there's no point why would anyone want that you're like yeah no it's true um so this is that, but not as good, but a better movie. Well, slashers aren't opposed to reusing footage. If you watch the Friday the 13th Respect. films in order, the, the second one begins with the last 10 minutes of the first one. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, I just did this already. But yeah, oh, we're, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're intercut with new footage. We know Farley is a fan of. Say that again. Which we know Farley is a big fan of. Uh, yes, of um, course. On the Friday the 13th part two. So, again. He loves a part two. He does love a part two. He loves a let's watch the first film again. I mean, to be fair, there is like there is something positive about watch it the best way. Mm. I watched Silent Night. Like, we Nights only need the one, kills the, best the first way. one. We got the sledding, beheading, and we got Linnea Quigley on the antlers. And the, like, that's the, the, that's the all the important good. parts. As holiday and I do themed like the frame go, they are you know creative. Uh, they use. Uh, relatively holiday adjacent materials to murder um and then the second one uh the the second half of this film ramps up a bit he's dressed as santa and he's just having a whale of a time he goes to see a santa claus movie <laughs> <In> <laughs> the the good, actually the movie cinema. scene is great that cinema scene is very very good it reminds me of of, of the lost daughter from last year of again having like great people just like behaving badly in the cinema scene i always like the people behaving badly in the cinema scene i guess screen two would be a better analog really everybody cares yeah, yeah yeah so you know there's all, all kinds of things but i i think he's really really good um the main dude whose name i've forgotten already it's because um, he didn't really do much else after this i believe Ricky? no because he's not actually good so he's, no, no, he's really he's, good. He's, he's good in a let's watch this movie in 2022 <laughs> mm. <laughs> in, a, in a sort of <laughs> ironic way. But uh, Eric Freeman. Yeah. I, I don't feel like I'm mocking him at all. I'm not laughing at him at all. Like I am totally in line with what he's doing. And what he's doing is just bringing this kind of like outside acting, just all of the eyebrows, amazing performance that knows exactly what the movie should be and is the only reason apart from some some gory now and then that it is at all entertaining and he is just inherently entertaining i love him there's a, a 2018 documentary about the making of this film which i'd be keen to check out i don't know he's yeah. listed on you know on the cast list i don't know if that's just archive footage from the film or if they you know interviewing him in 2018 about the strange legacy he's had as this internet meme uh, in, mm, you know, he is he is garbage underscore day dot gif. That is yeah, his the, the garbage day video was uploaded to YouTube in two thousand six, so it's been around on for a while. Been a mm. meme. Is yeah, this one of those classic things then of people like will know the meme and will have seen that thing, but will have no idea where it's from? So it's like, yeah. So I watched this with a group of friends a couple months ago, and uh, like right before the garbage day scene, like when they saw him in the sweater, they're just like, wait, I. I know that's better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a couple, couple of them realized what was coming and what we were watching. Yeah, I, I have one question again for Matt. So I like to throw questions at Matt. Um, <laughs> if you had to liken this movie to an animated to any animated <laughs> children's movie of a popular franchise, um, what would you say is the closest facsimile to this? What would you say is its closest comparison? 
it's probably not. Gosh, I'm, I'm trying to think of an animated movie clip that show. Most, yeah, a clip show animated movie. I'm trying to think of like any of the Land Before Time sequels. <laughs> yeah, I was about to ask you if any of those are <laughs> just recycled footage. Uh, there must I'm, be I'm not that deep into animation. I can't answer mm, this. This is uh, really more of a chat question. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. How many animated like, Christmas horror movies are there? Either. Good night, that before Christmas. <laughs> That's before. Christmas. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Christmas and it's slightly horror adjacent. I mean, come on. There's yeah, there's not. There's probably like a Krampus Flash 2D animation <laughs> on YouTube that's like 30 minutes long, but if not, someone's making it right now. And it's Jack. It's Jack who's making I'm, it. Right I'm now. actually doing it in another window now. Could you please quiet? Yeah, yeah. I would. I, I would believe that. Um. Matt, you really like this movie. You've, you've watched it several times. Why do you keep coming back to it? Because uh, I, I keep finding new people to watch it with, really. Mm. Like, it's, it's not something I'm just going to put on, <laughs> on my own, really. It's just, you know, I, I got you guys to watch it. I got my college friends to watch it. I, I guess I, the time before that was also with Jack. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen this yeah. two times now, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, Both with I mean, Matt. Only the first time I watched it was it on my own. <laughs> and so that, that, that's how it is with a lot of why do I feel compelled? Uh, compelled I know to make like, watch it. Why? I know they like the garbage day. I know they like the the head <laughs> and the uh, the car with the, the the jumper cables. Like it's which is very much like the Boogeyman. Okay, it's it's just a strange film that exists, and it's interesting that it exists because I, it, it's hard to draw parallels with other sort of contemporary cinema that have done something like this in terms of basically making a clip show. And then having it be this sort of gonzo slasher for the second half. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm such a, as we know, I'm a big fan of the We Made a Sequel, We Made It Weird, um, which is like oh, my sure. favorite the, like, the genre of sequel. The Gremlins 2, effectively. Yeah, the, the Gremlins 2, the Texas Chainsaw 2, the Babe 2 is like, we, we made a sequel to the things you like, and it's not what you thought it was going to be. It's made my favorite, it is definitely my favorite kind of sequel. I love it so much. So I, I do appreciate this, which is like, yeah, we got some thing, we played around and made a thing. It's kind of a movie. Wasn't, isn't it? The case that like even like Toy Story Two was supposed to be like a straight to uh, it was DVD yeah. sequel, and then that so this is basically Toy Story Two because like that was like um, Tom Hanks was like this is really good we should actually make this like into a movie, a movie. Yeah. so this it's basically the same film basically the same film yeah. so there you go that's the comparison that's the animated comparison you're looking it's for Toy Story Two Night Night Part Two is the Toy Story Two um, slashes. Well, that has uh, Kelsey Grammer at Stinky Pete, so it's really hard to call, compete with that. Slashy so, Pete. Slashy Pete. Gore mm. story. Toy gory. Toy gory. There's something there. <laughs> That's Jackie. That's just Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is Jackie, actually. Yeah. No, there's no Chucky clip show. What They're if, not. That surprises me. I'd like to see in like ten years' time, you know, uh, a, a bit older Matt Farley and Charlie. They make their own sort of. Uh, Motern clip show movie. I don't know how they mm. wrap it around. I don't know, you know, how they bookend it, but I could, I'd watch that. I mean, you know, the Christmas variety show is giving me something. There could be a, like a super cut of the Druid saga. Yeah, it's got to be yeah. Druid based, I would think. Like those fans who took the prequel trilogy and turned it into like a 95 minute or something. I actually think you should do that with the yeah, like including parts of Druids, Druids everywhere into Druid yeah. clones as like a segment or something. Because as we've discussed, like there are so many parts of those movies we love, but as mm. as a as a wider overarching thing, we have like problems with. So having this sort of supercut obviously goes against the wishes of Charlie and Farley. But we as the fans are more important, so let's do that instead. Release the Jack cut. Release the Jack <laughs> cut. Get it over. The Get one movie. The one movie you just take the frying pan and, and cut it's the rest. It's literally like yeah. a, a 30 mm. second movie and it's just clang, clang, clang yeah. from all the different movies and then roll credits. Beautiful. I mean, I, I mean, we all know we'd all watch it. So, mm -hmm. you know. So for me, I, because I didn't love Silent Night, Deadly Night, I think it weighs it down quite a bit for me because uh, mm. its outcomes could only be as strong as, as my outcomes with that. Although it... Uh, <laughs> if you hadn't seen that movie and therefore you have no established relationship and you just get like a, a montage at the beginning that's kind of boring 
Unfortunately, nobody gave me that advice. Uh, <laughs> I could probably, I could probably redeem the film with the top bit of trivia on the uh, the IMDb, IMDb page, which is Ricky's eyebrows yep. move up and down 130 times. So it's amazing. Some, someone was bored enough to count. And that, <laughs> that gives me hope. I, I for Don't say they were bored enough. Say they were enthusiastic <laughs> enough. They, these are passionate fans. They're getting us the information we want. There is a surprise. Nobody would disprove it being like, yeah, and what? I said it's 144. No one would disprove that. A surprising amount of detailed trivia, actually. Um, how much of it is interesting is up for debate, but it was fun. Let's find out now. Go. <laughs> all right. Read okay, it all. We're going to play around with interesting or not interesting. The yeah, trivia, trivia speed round. Uh, Ricky yeah. was garbage day before shooting a man holding up a trash can. It became a famous internet catchphrase, and countless videos of the clip can be found on YouTube. Very interesting. interesting. You know. Yeah, very okay. interesting. Yeah. Uh, it's fine. It was, fi- it was fil- <laughs> oh filmed in 10 days. Not interesting. Not interesting. Good to know. Yeah, interesting. That's efficiency. Oh, okay. The actor who plays the 15 year old Ricky in a brief scene was actually 24. <laughs> very interesting. The love scene between Ricky and Jennifer yeah. was, was cut down dramatically. Intriguing. Uh, it was actually banned in the UK by the BBFC, which is quite very interesting. Yeah. Now we're in my zone. Okay. Now <laughs> Although Ricky's surname was Chapman in the first film, for the sequel, yeah. it was changed to Cordwell. Uninteresting. Don't care. <laughs> uh, well, now, this... now what? I want to know what his name is in the third one because he is in the third one with like the brain helmet, right? Like, that's that will be interesting. Uh, Mother Superior's address is six six six. Hmm. I mean, that's just in the movie. Yeah, I mean, that's not even a trivia. That's just... <laughs> that's just a thing that happens. Okay, okay plot point. Two different houses were used for Mother Superior's house. Very interesting. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like Jacqueline Hyde. More like, his, name, uh, his name is Ricky Caldwell in part three. Did okay, you say so, that was his name in part two or part one? Uh, two. Okay. More like a <laughs> Silent Night Deadly Bit. Honestly, what we're doing here. <laughs> body count 22. Oh, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good body that's count. That's good. I don't remember it being that much, but yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. So interesting. I don't know why. I don't know. Wait, wait. My favorite body part of the show. Does that, does that include the... Like the scenes from the first yeah. film? Yeah, I think it <laughs> Yeah, I think it, I think it would. Um, so why do you think Charlie and Fanny love this movie? So I think it is an important part of the uh, modern universe is to uh, consider their uh, shock marathons that they do mm-hmm. in October and uh, sometimes December. They have uh, multiple books with the, you know, a couple hundred pages of their thoughts where they just like uh, all sat down, watch like 20 movies over a couple of days. And um, that's how our friend uh, Justin DeClue found them was he found a book. That, uh, or a magazine that referenced their book and then it led him to the movies so mm. a big reason why we even got to mm. these movies is uh, his interest in those marathons and then uh, sponsoring the content on his video label um, so it is important it's also something we do and I think a lot of horror fans do naturally is uh, we all get together and watch uh, uh, inane amounts of horror movies uh, <laughs> for us for maybe all year I don't, I don't know if we like yeah. Frame yeah. it in like October only. There are there are peaks and peaks and valleys. Uh, next month is April, and I, I don't know about Matt, but I'll be participating in Slaypril, which is just uh, slasher Beautiful movies. Name. It's literally just an excuse to watch more horror movies because we're drawn to that. Last year I did uh, Spooky Summer for no real reason other than I wanted an excuse to watch horror. Obviously October is a big month, but I don't know. It's just something. Uh, yeah, horror fans will watch horror whenever. I'll just mainline it if I didn't have a kid around all the time. I mean, it, it, it is like my genre of choice when I have a choice, but uh, often don't well, want that on the TV all the time. I'm so. finished with this animated Krampus short. I will email it right away. <laughs> once I'm finished raising this child, I'll, I'll watch that. To <laughs> answer the question though, Cal, <laughs> of, of, of why you think this is, why this is, this is an appealing film to the, the Charlies and the Farleys, um, mm. I think it goes. I, it, I think, as you've alluded to, it goes back to what what Matt has said has been like. It's a weird thing that's just fun to watch. Of it's full of those. The reason why this kind of horror stands out is you want to see things that are off kilter, 
and a different and a strange. And this has its own just like vibe and energy and just like the the writing in a in a Barley and Charlie film is better than in this. Sure. Yeah. But it still has that kind of just like weird strangeness of, of his the thing that's happening and some of the jokes are from person just said funny thing. I feel it feels a lot more purposeful mm. in a Charlie and Barley joint, whereas here it's just like they're weird. But I feel, like, I feel that that is a crossover. I feel yeah, we do that a lot. We 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 bring films often to uh, group watches, or you know, I'll show my friends, or I'll show my brother, and be like, oh, you know how like movies are, and most generic movies play in a certain mm. way. Here's a film that doesn't play in this certain way, and it's weird, mm. but it's also like endearing and fascinating to see. I see Here's the appeal too. Film at the beginning. <laughs> Here's two films in ninety minutes. I see the appeal with like a 10 day shooting schedule, which is probably what they shoot mm-hmm. under all the time there. Yeah. They probably never hit 10 days uh, on these early movies. So. It seems pretty spot. DIY. If, if you're making movies, if you're, if you're making homemade movies, this is the kind of thing that you could just like go out and do it. It has that kind of raw energy. If we just made a thing under, under constraints, like I, I love what Matt pointed out of this idea, but it's just built out of expansion around like extra scenes. The idea of like, we just made a thing. It's a thing that came out, constraints breed art in really fascinating ways. Imagine if you were into the making of movies in a kind of like casual, enthusiast, hobbyist sense, then stuff like this is fascinating because it's like, it's achievable. It's not like you watch like Dune and you go, I want to make Dune. Yes. You know, you watch. <laughs> oh man, imagine if Dune part two. No. <laughs> Paul uh, Atreides in prison, already, talking uh, through the events of Dune Part they've, 1. They've preempted that. They've put shots from Dune 2 in Dune 1, so you know. They've really oh, messed no up in the editing room. It, but, yeah. <laughs> that's a Dune. But yeah, that's, that's Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. A Moturn staple, okay. really. And it, I, 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 you know, I think we're all relatively favourable on it, as if not just to see it, to believe it. It's one of those I hate it. films. It's good. There's some bit where it's just I like mean, the best movie ever for a group watch uh it's just it's just fun it's fun with a yeah. capital f we'll give it you. F. yeah you. that's so, not a u capital u capital u but yeah. you fun. fun with the capital u it's, it's always fun with, fun you with capital u <laughs> it's food and it's it's good oh. and it's certified food don't let the Motown cast get you. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Letterboxd. What have we got coming up next? Wait, Carly? what's that on the horizon? What's that on the horizon? <laughs> I see plugs, ahoy! So, <laughs> well, next uh, favorite segment. <laughs> next episode, we'll get into like the um, the next phase of the yeah, uh, Motown me- movies. The Motown Renaissance. Uh, this is where yeah. Thanos appears, right? Mm-hmm. This is yeah, mm-hmm. Kevin McGee's Thanos. Please, <laughs> <laughs> that is so much better. So cool. And we'll also be uh, bringing in Matt Farley. Happy to announce uh, in uh, Freaky Farley next episode. So he'll give us our thoughts, his thoughts on he'll it. Give thoughts oh, he'll give us our thoughts. He'll give us our thoughts on Silent Night, Deadly Night too. Yes, yeah. yeah, we can confirm or deny that. That's good. <laughs> I'm very excited. We haven't had him on the show yet, and uh, I, I'd like to get more of the cast on before uh, we run out of movies. Of course, they'll keep producing them, so this they'll show will going. go on in perpetuity. But. Uh, Exactly. Yeah, Magic Spot again coming coming soon. It's very it's, exciting. Uh, a little bit over a month away. It premieres. Wow. May thirteenth, and I think I'll be... probably be there. Sweet. So we'll have an on, another on the on the ground report from Matt <laughs> in the middle of a woods I'm somewhere. I'm reporting live from the Peanuts roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> Peanuts roller coaster. Just the Charlie Brown. Wah, wah. For 45 minutes. I've been in a Peanuts roller coaster, true story. It's a Peanuts roller coaster, cool. Yeah, it's, uh, a, it's in the Universal Studios in Osaka. I've been on it. All right. It's pretty good. Humble, humble brag. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, follow us on uh, Letterboxd, Twitter, thetwingbeats.com. We have podcasts. Some of us have other podcasts. Uh, yeah. Matt, would you say you have a, a review of Angry Birds too, if someone followed you on Letterboxd? No, I, I don't. Uh, uh, Follow Matt for a rating on Angry yeah. Birds too. <laughs> I think it, I think I gave it one star. I'll just spoil it right now. Maybe one and a half. I guess you'll have to follow me to find out. I won't spoil it after all. <laughs> okay. oh, we even want yeah. okay. more. We're not going to tell you what his handle is. You'd have to just find him. Find yes. him. Work it out. Just scroll through all the ratings of Angry Birds one and two in proximity and so you think that's probably him, and then see if he's watched Dark Knight: Dead Night Part Two recently, and that'll be him. There you go. Oh, later this um, week we'll have our, our second part of the Cocteau series with Stephen. Um, oh yeah. 
that'll be good time i'm sure uh i haven't seen the the next three but uh it'll be special You're right yeah we we need to I'm looking forward to that um yeah so um thinking of spawning things batman is i think coming soon um, oh, yeah i am it should be already up. like I know, yeah yeah, I think so. I think as I'm already everyone's like slightly second favorite um, member of the two-person <laughs> podcast. It's so thing, slightly second, and I firmly entrenched myself as just like deep, deep, deep second favorite of this podcast. Where like nearly just, third. Oh yeah, no. I, I, I would you say? Place. Would you say zero Ooh. zebra is second? I I would yeah zero zebra is more popular than me now. And, uh, <laughs> box, zero zebra zero of an X Z with a Z Z with a Z yeah Z zero Z. zebra. Z was that? Z was that? Z the movie, the movie Z. I'm plugging the movie Z, an excellent film. Watch that instead. Hmm. Good part of the alphabet cinema canon. Uh, I'd like to uh, plug uh, everything everywhere all at once uh, in my review of that. So. Oh. Yeah. First you want to plug Jack, and now you want to plug everything, <laughs> everywhere, all at once. I know. Uh, very excited to plug things. Oh. Um. Yeah. I hear that's the greatest movie ever made. Yeah, uh, top rated on Letterboxd. We'll see how that lasts next week. Um, thank, thanks for sounding sexy on the phone. It, it's going to be different every week because I won't remember. Because you forget uh, it. Yeah. Uh, goodbye. Charlie Roxburgh, you're so talented. You are very good movie maker. You're the director of lots of great movies like Farley and Slingshot Cops. Charlie Roxburgh, you're so good with a camera. You can get lots of shots done in one day. Genius man, John.